This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher, part of PreachingToday.com at Christianity Today, in which we look at one facet of preaching in each episode. And today I'm with our guest from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, Dr. Patricia Batten, who teaches preaching at Gordon-Conwell and is also the assistant director of the Haddon Robinson Center for Preaching and the chapel advisor at the school, and the author of Parenting by Faith, What Jesus Said to Parents. Pat, it is great to have you with us again on the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you. Pat was on our second season, and uh, so it's great to have you back. We always like having you, Pat. We're going to get into a special topic today uh, that's really on your heart, and it is very personal to you, but also I want preachers to catch your passion for what it means to preach to people on the margins in your preaching, shifting the margins in your preaching, and what that means and how to do that and why we should do that. But I want to start with just a a little different angle, Pat. You're a preacher yourself, teach homiletics. You've been in the trenches through this coronavirus pandemic. And, uh, you know, a lot of us are saying, we're going to come out of this. We're not going to go back to normal. Nobody wants to go back to normal. And so when we think about preaching moving forward, you know, assuming we're going to all get together again and be in public spaces and worshiping, what are the skills or spiritual disciplines that you're going to press into this fall as you teach your classes for your next wave of students? What's What do you think is going to be different? Yeah, that's a good question. In many ways, I'm not the best person to answer that question because I, I, I'm not pastoring a church right now at the moment. Yeah, our, our preachers they they've got to know something about technology now yeah. and that's something that i i haven't taught well honestly matt yeah. and I, i'm teaching a, a course right now actually two courses we have summer intensives they're all over zoom and the students have asked asked that they say when we record our sermons you know who who is our audience so we've had to adjust that and we say well your audience is who your audience is right now so you're really looking at the camera mm. and that's very different than looking at faces in in a congregation because you don't have that feedback you know you can't make that eye contact i've actually only done it once uh during yeah. this pandemic and and it's just bizarre but we need to learn how to do that because we don't know what the future holds we'll be back in right in uh, public places but i think uh at this point all of our worship services are going to be broadcast yes. in some capacity because it does it it will uh meet a need you know we're talking about those people on the margins in particular so that piece of it's not going away. So we have to learn how to do that well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've realized it takes a, some adjustment in my own soul some, in terms of expectations because I love, I get energy and I get enthusiasm from people as they're listening. And you just, in a way, you have to almost like force yourself to just press through that sort of lack of feedback and just almost pretend that it's there. Right. It's, it, it's hard because in a sense, you feel like you're just giving a sermon. I mean, students do this all the time. It's their first sermon and they just want to get the thing out. Like, I just want to give you my yeah. sermon. And, then get right. out of here. and, you know, real preaching, we're, we're preaching, we're communicating t- to the people yeah. right, right there. There is this give and take. So yeah, yeah. It, 
it's hard and it, you want it yeah. to be genuine and authentic. Yeah. Well, somebody told me at the very beginning of this, it's actually a young woman in our church who does our communication. She said, just uh, imagine you're preaching to the person you most, the one person you most want to hear this message, you know, imagine right. their face. Imagine that, that's been really helpful to me the whole time. So. Right, right. Oh, that's good. It was really good. Well, so Pat, we have an interesting theme for this podcast episode, and you use the phrase, I believe, I didn't think I made it up, I think it's from you, shifting the margins in your preaching. So shifting the margins in your preaching. What do you mean by that phrase? Okay, in that phrase, I actually took from somebody else as well, (laughs) but it wasn't in regard to preaching. I think it was uh, John Swinton, I heard him talk about shifting, shifting the margins he was referring to Jesus' ministry. He, he didn't minister to the, you know, really the religious elite, the people you, yeah. you, you'd think you, you'd be talking to. He shifted those margins and he said, God's not working here. God mm. is working over here. So yeah. I, I took that phrase. I like that phrase. And maybe it's not shifting the margins, but it's widening the margins. Mm. Yeah. Um, expanding the the margins or at least taking a look at what's going on outside of sort of the center. A few years ago, I was preaching the the story of Jesus healing the leper. And I talked about the people who lived on the outer edges, on the periphery. And I began thinking about my congregation and asking, who are those people today? You know, who are the the, the people on the margins, the people on the outer edges? And, you know, really thinking about my own messages, I realized that I really preach to the middle. That's Mm. where my focus is. But there's this whole world out here that honestly, I didn't understand. And, you know, maybe I didn't even, you know, I hate to say this, but care to understand. Sure, sure. Who, so let's get concrete. When you think of people on the margins, who are we talking about? What kinds of people, what, what kinds of demographics or groups or? Yeah. So, I mean, in, in my case, I'm in a largely majority white suburban congregation. I have preached in non-white churches, but the church where I find myself regularly is, uh, you know, majority white. But we're not always talking about race here and ethnicity. Sometimes yeah. we're talking about, say, the elderly and mm. by by the elderly, I mean you know not somebody in their sixties, seventies, or even eighties who who is yeah. who are healthy, but you know maybe they're the people who are living on their own, or people who can't mm. get to church all the time. You know somebody who you know, you know they've got their kids have control of their checkbook, that that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're thinking so- of the elderly on the extreme end. The other end are the the youngest of the young. Mm. Not not teens and people in their 20s, because I think we do, our, our culture values youth, and I think we have taken right. that into our, our pulpits, but even little kids. And now I have come to see that there's a whole other piece to this, and it's people who are disabled mm. um, in many different forms, physical, disablement, and cognitive as well. Yeah, so it could be. So the elderly, persons with disabilities, yeah. uh, perhaps people with mental illness, people struggling yeah. with chronic, deep depression, yeah. bipolar disorder, or All other of it. mental illness. So could be the, the poor, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, even a suburban congregation, you have some, there's going to be poor people in your community on the fringes. Yeah. So it could be all of that. I, I think single moms often oh, or divorced yeah. single moms, Matt, yeah, I think fit, fit into that category. Uh-huh. You know, there are people who come and they feel like they don't quite fit. Yeah, that's great, Pat. So you said you, you tend to preach to the middle. I think most of us do because that's sort of our power base. That's the people that are our leaders. That's the people that give the most. That's the people that get the, give the most feedback about our preaching. So why is it preaching to the margin? So it's, this is going to stretch us. We're going to have to think a little bit about how to do this. Why is that so crucial in everyone's preaching ministry? Why should every preacher perk up now and, and say, I need to learn this. I need to learn how to do this. Yeah, I think it I think it absolutely is crucial. I don't think this is a little extra preaching thing that we can take yeah. a couple months and work on. I, I think we have to do do it because I, I think it's I don't think it's too strong of a word to say this. I, I think it's sin if we don't. I, I really do. In First Corinthians twelve, I mean yeah. I don't know how you read this. I'll just read part of it. 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So I really think yeah. we, we've we followed our, our culture. And uh, if you look at what's going on in our nation right now, that, that's, that's not a good thing. We need to look yeah. at these other voices. It's not always the majority. There's something else going on here that is biblical and that is godly. And we need to take a look at it. I've been yeah. thinking about in terms of research, when you undertake a research project, you may set delimitations. So with delimitations, you're defining basically the scope of your project. You're saying, okay. you're defining what you're not going to talk about. Uh, yes. So you talk about what you're not going to talk about. And you sort of put it off to the side and you say, we're doing this. I get the sense that in preaching, I think I've done this, but I think many of us have sort of set these delimitations. We've said, mm. okay, Here's this group. We're just going to put it over here. And maybe it's because we don't understand it. Or we, we don't know what to do with it. It's out of our comfort zone, whatever it is. But it's sort of we've lumped it together and said, it, it's other. We've just said, that's something different. We're not going to. And we focus here. You're, you're right. I mean, that, that's totally Pauline, his, his whole emphasis on strength and weakness which we see all throughout the Pauline corpus, which where did he get that from? Jesus. Right. And, uh, where did uh, Jesus, what stream was he in? Well, he was in the, the whole Old Testament prophetic tradition, you know, of caring for the weak, um, caring for the yeah. forgotten, uh, the stranger. Um, 
et cetera, et cetera. And so anyway, this is, it's, it's right through the biblical storyline. So, but we've, we've set up a delimitation. We've said, uh, yeah. So Pat, um, so I am convicted uh, and um, I, I wasn't going to ask you this question, but it's just popped into my mind. Like, what does this mean in our preaching? How do you do this in terms of your sermon prep? You know, like we're always thinking of people in our sermon prep. So yeah. how do you do this in your sermon prep? And then, uh, I don't know, illustrations, application. Yeah. How, how do you preach, shift the margins or expand yeah. the margins? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I do the same thing. I mean, Haddon Robinson taught this all the time. He yeah. said, you know, picture basically a cross section of, of your yeah. congregation. Right. And w- one of the things that I, that I did was I, I pictured that. And as I sort of evaluated that, I said, you know, I'm, I'm missing some people. I mean, for years I had been missing yeah. <laughs> some people. And I, I, said, I said to my husband, I said, I'm not embarrassed by it. I said, I'm ashamed. I said, mm. I'm ashamed that I, simply left these people out in my in my sermon preparation and part of it was i didn't know what to do with 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 some people Mm. for instance we talk about disability someone with a cognitive disability or mental illness i mean someone that maybe you have no background in how do you you know we are people of the word john swinton wrote an article years ago that's it was about communicating the word to people who have no words Hmm. so what do we do with that that really leaves us in a conundrum (laughs) when we're people of, uh, of the word but i think it starts like you said by just giving them some space in our sermon preparation, acknowledging that they are there and that they have value, equal value. That's, that's crucial. And and we're not going to acknowledge, you know, some of these people that we're talking about, if we don't have relationships with Mm. them to begin with, we'll continue to put them in this delimiting, you know, delimitations column. So, I mean, that's another piece to it. Do, are we friends with people who are different from us? I mean, real, you know, friendships, we go out to coffee with them. We get to know their struggles, their pains. Yeah. That's, that's great, Pat. I'm going to come down the ladder of abstraction here, you know, so I, yeah, I bet you're, I know you're a fan of the ladder. of. I I know the ladder. Well, yeah, (laughs) you're coming down to from, from living things. You're coming down to my cat named Fluffy. Yep. (laughs) So let's talk about Fluffy. (laughs) Everybody at Gordon Conwell, I'm sure gets doses of the ladder of abstraction. Yeah, we know it. um, Yeah. So anyway, I'm thinking of a, a single mom in our congregation when we when we preach on prayer and developing your personal prayer life one of these moms said that's really hard for me i just i don't have time i can't like just leave my kid and go in a closet and uh pray so i i asked her well how do you do that then and she said well it's sort of like i have to get snatches throughout the day of just you know, five minutes here, three minutes there, you know, that's how I do it. And so that, that was actually like really helpful to me to hear that my experience, my, my kids are out of the house. It's just really different for me. And so that was, I guess that's just one little example of, I think, of what you're talking about. Oh, it's exactly, Matt. I love that you 
you asked her that question yeah. and she opened up. It's that dialogue I think that we need. And, you know, when I started thinking about this, which has really been only in the last seven months, yeah, I really started thinking, oh my gosh, there are probably so many people in the congregation who are just nice and polite. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably internally yeah. rolling their eyes like, here we go again. You know, this, right. <laughs> this like, does not apply to me at all. Right. But I, I love your emphasis on the, the pastoral care, just, just walking with people, knowing their story, knowing what their life is like, asking them questions, is it, and then feeding that into our preaching. Yeah, um, yeah preaching can't be separate from that at right. all. Preaching isn't this other thing that we do. It's we're pastors, and yeah. preaching is a part of that. But yeah, we have to be uh, pastors to people, and you know, we're exegeting our, our listener. Yes. So, Pat, you've done... You've done a lot of work on uh, researching on preaching to persons with disabilities and their families. So let's talk. I just want you to share, uh, if you don't mind, just why is that so important to you personally? Sure. Down the ladder of abstraction again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So Rich and I have uh, three boys, uh, ages yeah. uh, just about 15, 11, and 8. And then seven months ago, we had... A little girl and she's a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Uh -huh. We're super excited about her. We're actually in the process of um, we're looking into adoption, adopting a little girl. And the week that we we're going to have a home study, so Department of Family and Children, right. you know, they'd come into the house and, you know, make sure you're okay. I right. discovered that I was, I was pregnant and come to find out with a little girl. So we stopped that other process and I had our little girl and uh, she, she arrived six weeks early mm. last November. So she was preemie. She had to be born in the big hospital in the big city of Boston. Yeah. <laughs> and 36 hours after she was born, we discovered that uh, she had Down syndrome. Mm. Yeah. So... Uh, we had no idea. Nothing showed up in the ultrasounds. And, you know, since I am over 40, I had lots of big ultrasounds. I think one they even labeled a geriatric ultrasound. <laughs> <laughs> Mislabeled. <laughs> you yeah. have to laugh, right? Right. And um, so we had no idea. But the news was, it was just shocking. I mean, I shouldn't, yeah. you know, based on my age and all that, I, I guess I shouldn't have been shocked. But there were no signs. It was just really, really hard news. I was yeah. discharged. The baby wasn't. The baby stayed in the hospital for six weeks, yeah. uh, Audrey. But it was Thanksgiving Day, and I came to, home to a house full of, you know, family, my sisters, mm. my grandfather, who's 97. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Just in tears, you know, having to tell them yeah. she's not what we thought she was going to be. Yeah. Right. And right. really thinking about... What is this? Because with Down syndrome, they don't say, okay, she has level one or level three. Mm -hmm. You don't really know what you have. Um, yeah, it's meeting right. milestones um, yeah. as, you, as you age and it affects yeah. or can affect every part of your, your body, every system. Yeah. So you don't know what it looks like. She's medically healthy and Anyway, so that's how this, yeah. this started. Wow. And one of the first questions was, how is she going to understand the gospel? Mm. You know, there's usually, I mean, there's, there's always a cog, some kind of cognitive yeah. delay, and you don't know to what degree. And uh, that just got me 
thinking of all kinds of things and thinking of the people in mm. the church that we attend, there's a handful of people with cognitive disabilities. And these are, you know, a couple of guys who have always come up to me every time I preach, I've been on a preaching team and they've yeah. said, Pat, I don't know what it is, but something about when you preach, I understand, I get right. it. And these yeah. were comments that I, right. you know, I don't want to say I, I blew off, but I didn't, you know, I didn't pursue them, but I've been thinking about them since Audrey was born and thinking, well, what, you know, what is it that connects? So right. I'm on this journey, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Matt, that's a really moving story. Thanks so much for sharing that. I just think how these events that happen in our life, they, they shape us as human beings, as sons and daughters of God. And as preachers, it's like that, you know, it's just a great opportunity to to learn new ways to reach people. So Pat, I know you're, you're pretty humble and modest, but I, I want you to, to, to just be really honest. What, what do you think you're doing that connects with these people? You know, what, yeah. what, what do you do? Have you thought about that? Yeah, I have thought about it, but I, I haven't tested it. I, so I'm not exactly yeah. sure. You know, I, I don't use notes when mm. I, I preach. So I have, you know, I have good eye contact. Yeah. So they are people that I, I can honestly tell you, I, I make con eye contact with them. You know, I yeah. look at them, I can smile. <laughs> right. right. Um, I do make use of story. Mm. Um, so I'll connect that, you know, we'll have a maybe an abstract, you know, principle, yeah. but then yeah. I do try to demonstrate that as well. And I, I try to be to be clear. So the abstraction, which would be difficult for a person with a cognitive disability to to think in terms of abstractions. That's one of the key right. things. Mm. So if you have that, but then show what it looks like, you know, then go yeah. back to the, you know, make those connections. Um, but I'm not sure, but I do have relationships too. Mm. Yeah. Um, right. You know, one of these guys, he's been to our house for Easter dinner and, yeah you know, in, in you know, in previous years. So I, I don't know, Matt, yeah. I can tell you that um, the other thing I've been thinking about since all of this has transpired in this pandemic, yeah. um, my husband and I were talking and we, we, we emailed the church. No one was in the office, but we said, Hey, yeah. we're thinking of some of these people with the cognitive uh, disabilities. And um, one guy in particular uh, has no access to the worship service because he mm. can't use a computer. So right. I called him on the phone and, um, you know, he had explained to my husband, he said, it's not that I don't have a computer. He said, I, I went to classes at the library to learn how to use one. He said, I, I just can't figure it out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, you know, he couldn't, hear the sermons he had right. no contact and this is someone who you know has a lot of uh, social isolation anyway because right. of disability yeah. so we emailed the church and we said hey is there any way that you know this group of people could sit socially distant in in the church service while you record it and the answer um was you know pat we're already doing that hmm. and i just thought wow and it was the most beautiful picture to me because as we sit in our comfortable yeah. home surrounded by people and we think we just see a preacher, 
you know, and maybe there's someone playing guitar and, you know, maybe the person running the sound system. And we're not picturing anybody in the congregation, but for the first time across churches in America, probably all over the world, the preacher is preaching to the least of these. Huh, wow. The preacher is finally talking to them. They're right in front of them. Wow. Yeah, and that's I, really lo- I love that picture. And I want right. to take that picture and I want to see it continue. Wow, that's really good. So when we're just staring at that camera, or even when we, when we regather, most of us are going to continue to live stream in some form. But those, those people, are, they're there. There. They're there because They're they listening. need to be there. Yeah. yeah. And they can, they have access. They, they, they can get there. That's, yeah. That's really good. Well, Pat, is there anything else that you wish every preacher would know about uh, preaching to persons with disabilities or people on the margins? Anything else you'd like us to know as preachers? Yeah. Value them. They're created just as you are in in the image of God. Value them. Learn the terminology. I think that scares us sometimes. So for uh, people with Down syndrome, we don't want to say Down's people or Down's babies. They're always a person first. So even if you look at the subtitle in your Bible, it's no longer the blind man. It's the man born blind. (laughs) So that's changed And the more we do that from the pulpit, we are teaching our congregations Mm. what is right and appropriate. And we're really valuing people by doing that. The other piece of this, and, you know, this is one of those hot topics, but I cannot help but think about in in terms of disability is uh, non-invasive prenatal testing, NIPT, it's early prenatal testing, You know, Haddon Robinson, I remember him giving a sermon on moral courage, but maybe it's the time we revisit that. This early prenatal testing, it's given early in the first trimester. It's a very simple blood test. It's non-invasive. And really, people are talking about the eugenics of people with disabilities. It targets Down syndrome in particular. Absolutely. Right. And talking about in generations and the next generation, it really just came out around 2013 that, you know, my little Audrey is going to have far fewer friends who look like her. Wow. Um, And one, (laughs) go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, Did you have anything to say? Uh, No, 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 just one final thing is um, preach a sermon uh, on disability. I've Hmm. never heard one. So yes, your illustrations, application, that kind of thing, but talk about disability. Um, The month of October is um, a month for Down syndrome, where we focus on Down syndrome. So I'll remind you, Matt, and you can tell your listeners. (laughs) You're great. We will. Yeah. But, you know, let's let's get it out there. Value the people that God values. What are we doing? Trying to do it, you know, another way. Yeah. Well, you've, you've got a solid biblical case. So, and, and Pat, is it true, isn't it true that some 90% of people that have the, uh, that discover their, that abort? They terminate. They terminate. Yeah. Yeah. So there are different studies. Some say 93%. The other one is about 73%. So there are different, different studies, but it's a, 
it's a high percentage. And, yeah. and the other point is that um, countries like Iceland and Denmark have said, have actually said, we have eliminated the problem of Down syndrome. That's through That's termination. That's shocking. Absolutely and Matt, shocking. Yeah. when you see my little girl, she is yeah. fully human. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She is adorable. She is just going to live life differently right. than you or, or me. But she has value in this world and God yeah. made her. And I am going to do all that I can to make yeah. sure the church is a place where she is valued and everybody disabled and non-disabled uh, see that and learn who matters to God. That's a beautiful image, Pat. Thanks so much. I've been talking with uh, Dr. Patricia Batten from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary and author of Parenting by Faith, What Jesus Said to Parents. Um, Pat, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks for your moving and stirring and really challenging words to us as preachers. You too, Matt. Great to see you. Okay. And God's blessing on you and your husband and your, <laughs> your uh, three boys and your beautiful daughter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I hope you can join us for our next episode of Monday Morning Preacher here at PreachingToday.com. Matt Woodley, God bless you and your preaching ministry.